remind everybody, uh, we see a few folks that have joined us by Zoom, but you need to be on live with your camera on. So Michelle Sobrata. Okay, I can't seem to unmute. Okay, I can't <laughs> seem to start my video. There you go. You got it. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I got a new uh, uh, thing here, and it's uh, I'm I'm working it, I guess. <laughs> Good. Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year, Michelle. I can't see you guys, so. Oh. I don't know what I've done. <laughs> You're not missing much. <laughs> I'm going to work it out. I may get my phone before it's over with. <laughs> All right, Subrata. There I go. Okay. I hear you. But I don't see you. Can you, can you see me? I don't know. I, I don't seem to be. Not yet. Yeah, it keeps going in and out for some reason. Austin Autopilot co-host permit something is saying. Michelle, we see you fine. Okay, I'm back on. And Christina, if you're on, I see you're connecting to audio. And we need you to connect to video. Subrata, any suggestions for Subrata and Christina to get on the video piece? We have a visible quorum. I mean, can the, can the others interact in the conversation and questions? So Subrata and Christina, Christina, you're on mute. I don't know if we've done that. Marcus, do we have them all on mute? No, Subrata's not on mute. No, I'm. But your camera's I'm your camera's not on, Subrata. Okay, I can finally. It says the host disabled my audio and then my my video too. But you guys finally disabled. I was on my husband's Zoom by mistake, and then I was. <laughs> <laughs> we we see his Zoom. Yeah, I know. Let me get out of there. Hold on. <clears throat> I figured that's why I couldn't get in because you guys thought I was someone else. So you're on verbal, but no picture. Same thing with you. Oh, okay. Oh, there you are. There you oh. are. So Sabrina's on. Sabrina, you're the last one. Yeah, well, I, I'm fiddling with my camera. I, I don't see anything different than what I always have. Uh, so I don't know. Really. Uh, I see when I click on video, it shows me optimized quality video, video processing, receiving video, sending video, everything is checked. Video rendering method, auto rendering, everything is, I don't know. Uh, so. Any suggestions, Marcus? Yeah, you could sign off Sabrata and come back in again. Okay, no, we'll do that. We'll, yeah, we'll do that.
Michelle, we've lost you for the moment. There you are. Michelle's back. Your microphone's on mute, but your picture is there. I'm back. Okay. You're here. We're here. Okay. So I see Sabrata trying here. Unmute. Sabrata's okay. You're mute. We can hear you. Yeah. Uh, hide self view. No, mute my audio. Obviously, my background. Choose my virtual background. Choose video filter. Let's see what that does. I don't know what all those mean. Uh, full meeting studio. Pets. Yeah. So, Brenda, while you're, my, I'm going to go ahead and carry on. You can still ask questions, interact, but if we yeah. get down to the vote and you still aren't visible, yeah. we won't be able to allow you yeah. to vote. So, okay. Hey, so you may be able to, hey, maybe so you can use his phone, his phone, try yeah. his phone. Yeah, so, Brenda, you can try coming in on your phone. Yeah. So, Brenda, really quick, in the lower left-hand corner, do you see where it says mute and video and security and participants and stuff? Uh, okay, participants, security. On the far left, you see you see the mute button, then you see. A, oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Want you? Okay. There you are. Oh, there you are. Hello. All right. <laughs> Happy New okay. Year, Sabrata. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead, and I'm gonna call the meeting to order. If everyone's to stand, we'll do the oh. pledge to the flag. Okay. I pledge allegiance. To the flag of the United States of America, America. <laughs> to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay. All right. Let's go to a quick roll call. So I'm going to start in this room. Jay Miller. Augustine Barrera. Assistant City Attorney Edward Martos. Marcus Lightfoot, Senior Planner. <laughs> to the videos, Michelle. Michelle, Michelle Rita. Sobrata, present. Christina, present. Great. So, and Danny Guerra, I believe, has already notified us he would not be participating tonight. So, we're good to go. We have a quorum. So, uh, no administrative matters, Marcus, according to the agenda? That is correct. There are no administrative matters at this time. All right, great. So why don't we go ahead and get started in uh, first item. Okay, applicant, first item is PB-24-001. The applicant is the City of South Miami. The ordinance of the Mayor and City Commission of the City of South Miami, Florida, amending sections 1-2, rules of construction, definitions 2-2.1, rules of procedure, of City Commission 2-31, same publication of notice to hear objections 2-37, same subject to action by council 2-80, <coughs> design bill contracts 9-5, election date and notification, official ballot 14-5, declaration of a state of emergency and 15-35.1, abandoned vehicles of the City Code of Ordinances and sections 
20-2.3 definitions, 20-4.2 land subdivision regulations, 20-5.5 applications, <coughs> applications requiring public hearings, and 20-11.4 demolition of de design sites, demolition by neglect, certificates of appro appropriateness, and undue economic hardship of the land development code and any other sections of the city code of ordinances or land development code as necessary to allow the use of the of the publicly accessible website designed by Miami-Dade County for publication of illegally required advertisements and public notices in accordance with Chapter 50, Florida Statute, providing for, cor providing for corrections, severability, conflicts, implementation, and an effective date. Thank you. Okay, so I believe, Tony, you want to cover this? Uh, yes. And give us the sort of decoding of that. The very simple explanation is that state law was amended a couple years ago to allow municipalities to provide public notice through a website as opposed to publication in a newspaper. Um, recently, the Daily Business Review, which was the go-to source for most publication of notice, uh, announced that they would no longer be printing public notices. Uh, that primarily leaves, it, it's very likely that the only legal um, place where you could publish notice now is the Miami Herald, which can be very expensive. Given that state law was updated and now Daily Business Review is no longer providing the service, um, the city is creating, uh, is, is amending the code so that every place that it said you must publish in a newspaper, you now have the option instead to, um, you can now publish it on a website. Now, you're gonna ask what website? Uh, the way the state law works is that every county government has to set up a website for this purpose for all the municipalities. And so all public notices now would go to this centralized uh, website to be created by Miami-Dade County. Um, so that's really the purpose of this law. It's sort of an update to our code. It creates a lot more flexibility. And you know, I'm happy to go page by page, uh, but I think it's pretty straightforward. If you have any questions, I'm, I'm available. So I have, a, excuse me, I have a couple questions. Yeah. Uh, first of all, what we're doing is consistent with our peers, so other municipalities, cities, villages in Miami-Dade County have already adopted this or are moving in the same direction? Correct. And uh, then uh, does this make it any less likely that our citizens are gonna be aware of important dates and deadlines? Uh, mm -hmm. um, I think that from a policy perspective, uh, in, in a practical sense, the majority of people these days don't look at the Daily Business Review and paper copy, or the Miami Herald for that matter. They go to a website and they find it there. And so now this opportunity exists to provide notice there. I wanna highlight too that the notices that we're talking about are newspaper notices. So mailed notice and posted notice on the property is still required where the code requires it and that's still gonna be available, that is a, another option. But now you have this opportunity to use a website. Got it, got it, okay. Other questions or comments? Uh, I have a question. Will we still be putting this on our website or only using the counties? Um, the, the, the law gives, doesn't restrict us from putting it on our website, but the required posted notice per state statute would have to be on the county website. Uh, so yeah. if you'd like, to make a note for the administration, we should put it on our own website. I don't know which way the administration is going, but if you want to make that as part of your recommendation, that's that's something you could do. Do we advertise? Do we show these on our website currently? 
I'm not sure, Marcus. Can you ask the question again? So when we have solicitations, do we show them on our website? Solicitations for bids? Oh, bids, procurement. Those are already on the website. Yes, They're those are website. already on that's the website. That's already on the website. And, yeah, and, that's the question I was asking. Yeah. So we're going to continue doing that. For solicitations. So this order, this this law that you're uh, considering yeah, it's today a, it's, is broader it's also than about just solicitations. Notices. Right. I didn't catch that. That's what you were asking. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we do that today for solicitations. Um, but this law covers a lot of ground. So I wasn't yeah. sure which one you were referring to. <laughs> And I believe the clerk already puts has this page on her on her website for public notices. For public notices, I believe she does keep that updated. Okay. Yeah. So my recommendation would that whatever we're posting on the county's website, we should also post on ours. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Whether they be solicitations or whether they be notices. Right. Any kind of notice. Yeah. And, and solicitations currently require that notice. Before we, before we get survivor, before we get too far in this discussion, let me just I I sort of ignored asking whether there are any public comment on this before we get into <coughs> more of a discussion. I don't know if there's anyone from the public on <coughs> uh, who would like to speak. If so, Marcus, do you want to give them instructions? Huh? Oh. <laughs> okay. So right, I, was, I was saying just before we get too far in the discussion, I, I neglected to ask the the pu for public comments, there is no, there are no members of the public in uh, chambers right now. I see a few uh, people on Zoom that I don't necessarily recognize, although I suspect they're affiliated. So, if anyone from the public would like to make a comment, uh, please raise your virtual <coughs> hand. Seeing none, I'm going to close it to public comment. I'm sorry, Sobrata, I cut you off, so you're up. No, I, I, I was just going to uh, piggyback on what Augustine was saying, that I think all uh, public notices should be posted on our website, as well as Miami-Dade County. Great. I mean, if that, that would be, that I would, I would make that a recommendation in, in case the administration is not thinking that way. Okay. Our website has a public notices, public meeting notices, public hearing notices, and then public notices. <clears throat> There's something under public notices, just one item from June 23rd, but it seems like they, there was some attempt or they're trying to do it or they are doing it. I'm not really sure if that's updated. I'm sorry, are you referring to the county already doing this? No, this is the city of South city Miami. Of South I'm Miami. on our website. Got it. Yeah, right. I'm on our website, and there's a there's like a a little tab that you can click that says public notices, but I only yeah. see one thing. So under city clerk. Okay. So other questions or comments? If not, if someone would like, it doesn't it doesn't, doesn't say in the ordinance that it would be published in the Miami-Dade County website. Does it say? Does it say that? It does. It, what, it, what it says is it, it makes reference to the state statute, and the, it also make notes in the recitals on uh, the first page, I think. The recitals note that Miami-Dade County will be establishing this website. So this okay. creates another avenue, and if we're doing it by state statute, it has to be by the county website. I think the, the motion we're about to receive, um, based on, on Gus's comment, Mr. Barrera's comment just now, was that... Um, the city should also, I don't know that this necessarily needs to be built into the ordinance. I'll let the maker of the motion decide, but the city should also provide notices on their own website 
in the same manner that it's provided on the county's website. Yes. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So with that said, I think we're, uh, we've come full circle. Someone would like to make a motion with that specificity. Feel free. It does right, sound right. like. Yeah, I'd like to make a motion that, Mr. Rafa. Yeah, I move it in the same, same language that the attorney suggested. Okay. So that's that, published that on both county and city. at the county that we also post them on our website. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Okay. Now, do you want that in the ordinance or do you just want that a recommendation to the administration? No, just put it in the ordinance. That's my put it in the ordinance? Yeah. Okay. I will. Um, we need a second. I'll. I'll second. Understood. All those in any further discussion? If not, all those in favor? Aye. 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 I think unanimous. Six with uh, Dan out of town. Brother, how do you vote? He voted aye. He did? Okay. Yeah. The second came from Michelle, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Great. Uh, item number two, Marcus. <coughs> Excuse me, item number two is PV-24-002. The applicant is the City of South Miami. In order to the mayor and city commissioners of the City of South Miami, Florida, amending Article 4, other regulations, Section 20-4.5, landscaping and tree protection requirements for all zoning districts of the Land Development Code to modify requirements for new construction, additions, and other structures on single-family and duplex lots, providing for corrections, severability, conflict, implementation, and an effective date. Thank you. Tony, you gonna take this one as well? Yes. So decode that. So this is also very simple, largely procedural requirement. Um, this addition specifies that when you have a single family application and you're seeking a new construction or expansion and you're applying for a building permit, you have to also provide to the city a tree survey or your survey has to identify the trees and provide what's called a disposition plan. Disposition plan tells the city whether you're chopping down the tree, tells us what kind of tree it is, whether you're chopping it down or keeping it. And currently the code does not require that for single family homes. And so as part of the city's overall goal of being a tree city and maintaining a canopy, that new requirement is, is proposed to be added by this legislature. So as you and I talked about just real briefly earlier, I'm gonna ask the question so yeah. everyone can hear. I feel like that we've had a number of things in front of us where we've had a lot of discussion about the preservation of trees, exactly what we're addressing here. Mm -hmm. Is that because prior to that, it was sort of a, it wasn't, it wasn't actually part of our ordinances. It was something we asked and layered <coughs> on to other things or? Certainly if they're provided or if tree permit applications are made, <coughs> have always been required then certainly we would get that. However, this is now obligating a single family resident to actually provide that information along with their permit application. That helps the city determine whether or not a tree permit would be required at all. If you receive a tree permit application, then obviously you know a tree permit would or would not be required. But if you just receive a flat application to build an expansion, let's say a brand new garage, you won't necessarily know that a tree permit is also gonna be triggered. And so the, now the building department has that extra information. So is that regardless of the size of the request? So let's say, use your example, the garage. Yes. Right? Two car garage, decent amount of space. 
and I could see where you'd want a tree permit, certainly for the place, the space where the garage is going to get built. But is that going to trigger a tree permit broadly across the entire property, a tree survey across the whole property? Yes. Any build, well, let me give you the exact language. Any building permit seeking modification, alteration, new construction, or demolition on a single family lot or a duplex. That's very broad. And so if your concern is, you know, I'm changing a light fixture, <laughs> do I need a tree permit? That's a modification that certainly can be, go ahead. I mean, it says here carports, pools, decks, fences, driveways, recreational courts. So it doesn't have to be as large as a garage. I mean, it can be something small. It's, it's, it's for yeah. a, a, a structure, but I think Surami wants to speak. Yes, good evening. Surami Gaurera, Development Services Director and Building Officials. So the intent is anything that modifies the site plan. So. If you're doing any, if you're putting in a driveway, a circular driveway, then we would ask for a tree survey. If you're doing an addition, we would ask for a tree survey. A pool, we would ask for a tree survey. But if you're doing an interior remodel to your home, we wouldn't ask for a tree survey because there's no change to the site plan. If you were replacing a driveway on, on we would not. You would if not. It's the same size. Same size. Changing Got the it. materials, we would not. We need to make sure that's specific. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and I think that I think that this is a very good conversation because the way that the language reads right now, and I was not involved in the draft mm -hmm. of the language, so mm -hmm. it's good to have another set of eyes. The way it reads mm -hmm. is it says any building permit seeking modification, alteration, new construction, or demo. And so I think your point is, is a very good <clears> one, and we need to maybe massage the language a little bit to get to what you're, where, where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, if we need to change the yeah. the text, we can. But yeah. the the conversations that I've had with staff is that it's anything that affects the site. Because the idea is that we don't want to just trust that you're not cutting down a tree. We want to see a tree survey mm -hmm. to make sure that the proposed work doesn't affect removing any trees on the site. Right. Let me look at one thing in the code. Thank you. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, while you're looking for that, um, this could be very costly for a resident. If you happen to have a one-acre or two-acre site, Yes. And you're putting in a driveway or modifying your driveway to do a survey of your whole site. It'll be very expensive. So I would recommend that this this tree survey be limited to the area impacted by the construction. Absolutely. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Because I mean, that's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. I would feel comfortable even if it wasn't modified in the legislation to go ahead and interpret it that way. You know, it just makes sense. Yeah, because you have, I mean, there's five acre sites in South Miami. Imagine having to survey all those trees and all you're doing yeah. is... Yeah, you know. it could be limited to the area of the work or, or the work that could be affected by the yeah. the trees right. that could be affected by the area of the work. Yeah. Yeah. So, or, or in the same vein, I mean, uh, is it necessary to have a surveyor seal and sign the survey or the homeowner can locate the trees uh, that's within 10 feet or 20 feet of the, you know, proposed whatever it is, driveway or addition, uh, just show the the yeah. trees and the type of tree and the height and the diameter and all that stuff you basically want the information it's not necessary that for a small addition you need to go get a seal and sign surveyor doing a uh, botanical survey yeah and i think that common sense would be you know like every legislation and every ordinance there's some common sense to how you um, enforce it 
So in, in my opinion, it would need to be, if you have a specimen tree, if you want to bring me some photos and show me that the property doesn't have any specimen trees or anything like that, then we would accept that. We would work with the owners. I just don't want to make it that, you know, owners have the right to do this because if you are clearing a lot, uh, you're doing a demolition, you're coming in and clearing a lot, an owner isn't really a person that has the expertise to identify what trees are invasive, which trees are natives, what's a, uh, a specimen tree, what... So we want to be able to capture that. And it, was, it isn't that we would enforce this in a punitive fashion, that we would say, oh, you absolutely, for every single thing, you need to get a landscape architect or an arborist. Uh, but we do want to be able to enforce that when we feel it's necessary to protect the city's uh, tree canopy. Well, even now, when, when people come to us and ask to take down a tree, uh, they need to have a certified arborist, and which I don't think is a terribly... I don't want to insult anybody, but a terribly high bar. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, and I don't know what certified means. I mean, my laundry <coughs> tells me he's a certified arborist. I'm skeptical. But um, so we need to make sure. I, I agree. I don't want to make this so it's so exhaustively expensive for everyone, as Gus pointed out. But by the same token, I don't want their cousin to say that's a, that's a throw a trash tree or whatever it is, the common parlance for them to take it down anyway. <clears throat> um, so, Marcus, let me, um, being that I've actually done a lot of construction in the city, yeah. we've always been required to add new trees to every job site that I've ever done in South Miami. So, how is this any different than what we've been doing in the past? There are some applications there where, where people were not submitting tree removal permits for, for jobs, like swimming pools. Or driveways. This is a this is an this is an effort to call, bring those into the fold, so that okay all, all trees are accounted for. So um, I, I, sorry, I, I sorry. So I agree. This is in experience. This is something that Pinecrest does also. So this also delays permits for a long time. This costs an owner a long time, a, a lot of time, a lot of money. And um, Sabrata, yes, you do have to get a tree survey. Is considered by a surveyor who signs and seals it and you do have to present two copies or multiple copies depending on the building department which can run an owner you know a, a couple grand a couple thousand dollars so i mean if we can try to and not trying to stop you or anything from from doing it i understand sometimes these tree surveys are also uh, viewed in a way where, for example, I'm doing one in Pinecrest now where the tree is five feet from the house, but it's an oak tree. Eventually, those roots are going to end up under the house, and all those leaves are dumping all over the roof, but that's what Pinecrest wants. They don't want you to remove that tree. So sometimes I think that this does impede the owner a little bit. And well, it the just state preempts that. So the state has actually passed a law that makes it much more easy for an owner with an arborist report to go in there and cut down any tree and not have to notify the city in any fashion. But if it's so, sick, though, right? Excuse me? Unless if the tree's sick. Typically, no. it's if it's no, sick. If it poses a hazard or it's, yeah. um, as you said, it's, on, it's uh, affecting the foundations to a home, that would be a reason where they would be able to knock down the tree. Yeah. Okay. And they don't have to do any mitigation. They don't have to, you know, provide anything to the city. There's no canopy replacement, nothing. And that's new? That's new? It's been around for about a year. Yeah. For a year. But Danny, yes, that's sir. the statute that, that Ms. Cabrera is, is referencing is Florida Statute 163.045. Basically, it states that a single-family homeowner can remove a tree 
without having to go through the city if, if the tree poses a danger to persons or property. That's the that's the lame, that's the original version, and that was originally passed in 2019. Right. And then it's been amended, of course, over time. But the original gist was 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 that. Okay. But they have to get a report from a from an ISA certified arborist that states that this tree needs to come out. It, they have to do a risk assessment and so forth. Right. Christina, right. I think you had a question. Yeah, I have a question. I know that there was some talk because the way it's reading now, um, you would need a survey for any permit seeking all these modifications, right? But I think there was some discussion about only needing the survey when it impacts like right. trees, like the project. Basically, the project's going to impact the trees, right? right. Yeah. Yes, it's going to impact okay. the site plan. It's a considerable impact to the site plan. So what we want to be able to do is that we can require it when we feel it's necessary. But what we don't want to do, is, which is what happens now, is that somebody comes in and they just don't want to do it. And we feel that there is an impact to trees on the property that we do need to have an arborist report to know if there is mitigation that's required. Right now we go on the honor system and right. not advisable only for a city that wants to protect its canopy if that's what I, the city would like to protect its canopy then you know this is a step I, in the right direction so, so if you wanted to build a pool in your backyard but it wouldn't impact any trees would you you're saying you wouldn't need a tree survey or tree disposition plan there would have to be something that would show that would prove to us so if we could see something and there's a lot of things that you could see from google earth right so if we could go on google earth and see that hey there is absolutely no tree canopy in the area then absolutely we wouldn't require it if we're getting pushback but if we see that there is canopy then i would require it yes so can i before you let me just ask you um it seems to me through this discussion that we this lacks some specificity on some of these things because, mm -hmm. I mean, so if Google Earth is going to be acceptable, I think we have a, you know, as an example. Uh, so to me, unless there's some sense of urgency I'm missing here, I would suggest we table this and you come back with a draft that has more specificity based on the feedback you've heard and may continue to hear here uh, so that we don't have, I mean, so we don't have to count on uh, us making a motion right. with six add-ons that, may or may not be clearly thought through. Right. So I, I had a very simple add-on that I right. think would resolve most, maybe all, okay. the concerns. If at the end of the addition, okay, we take out the, the period there and we add, uh, so where it says, shall require a tree survey and tree disposition plan to continue the sentence by saying, showing the area affected by the proposed, I'm sorry, the area of the lot affected by the proposed work. And there could also be a statement that says that it could be waived. Correct. If shown by the, you know, the, the director or correct. their assignee that it could be waived if it's, you know, obvious that it's not required. Correct. And, and where I was going with this <clears throat> addition is that it's for the area Right, so it's only a portion of your five-acre lot, right, as opposed to having to do all five acres, and then affected by the proposed work. So if there's no area affected because all I'm doing is adding a light fixture to the side of the building, doesn't affect anything, it's not required. So it's possible that my language alone is sufficient, but I like Surami's suggestion also. You could say 
the director may waive this requirement upon think, showing think, that no that the proposed work will not impact so our, tree our, resources. Yeah. So I think I think it's I think it's important to have this. I mean, I think it's, I'm glad that you brought this up. This is important to have this provision. Uh, but you can you can also add at the discretion of the department director. Yes. If, if so that, that will resolve the issue. I think I think sometimes, you know, all you're looking for is the information. Uh, it doesn't always have to come through a seal and sign survey. Right, and that's and that's mm -hmm. sort of where. So that's where I would ask you to go back. So that's why you, you have the at the discretion of the director that will cover that aspect of it. The director can make a decision. I guess I I might have a little bit of issue with when you say at the discretion of someone else because you know I guess that would depend on the person. Would it be better to put something like uh, no tree survey or tree disposition plan will be will be required if the applicant uh, demonstrates that it will have no impact on the trees or I don't know yeah, <laughs> something photos. like that like through photos Christina or... I think I yes Christina I think you're right there's an idea in the law that you have to ha give directors some guidance you can't just give broad discretion to do whatever they want right. you got to give them a guiding principle. Correct. I think you're doing yes. that, Christina, and, and and Daniel just mentioned um, um, through, photos. through photos as an example. So if it's the will of the board to defer and we can work out with this really good feedback you've given us, we could work out those details. We could do that. If you'd like to work them out tonight, we could do that as well. We're, we're yeah. here at, at your Mr. discretion. Chair, I mean, first of all, anybody who's doing work needs a survey. So they're already paying for the cost of the survey. Well, it's, it's different. Uh, no, no, if you're doing work in your house, you're doing an addition, you have to do a survey. But the tree survey is, is separate. All you're adding is putting language that says within 30 feet of the affected area. So if there's one tree, they're going to have to identify one tree. That's it. And that's not going to cost you thousands of dollars to have one tree identified. If there's no trees within 30 feet of the affected area, then it doesn't cost you anything. But somebody is certifying that there are no trees within 30 feet of the affected area. If that's what, I'm just throwing a number that, out there. That's what's important because right now that's exactly what's missing. Because we a picture, a, a photograph doesn't demonstrate where the addition is going to be. Right. It's a judgment. I'm, I'm going to do it over here. The tree's really not in the way. And then we're putting all this burden on staff and I'll start making judgments. That, that's exactly what happens. Versus, you know, and, and the reason I brought up the issue of the 30 feet is because you brought up a good point that the tree is not in the affected area, but if it's within five feet of the new construction, yeah. then that could pose a hazard. And I don't, I, I don't disagree with, I think <clears throat> that that, but no tree, sur no survey that I've seen in 20 years of doing this, they all, they, it's a, the, the survey shows all the trees. Now, this would be something new that I think. No, you can ask, you're them, not you can, you can ask, I mean, I do this all the time. We, 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 I mean, I'm an architect. We, we ask for tree surveys all the time. And the reason we ask for it is because once somebody tells the caliper of the, of the tree, the size of the trunk, the species of the tree, so that then we can do a, media, a remediation plan if necessary. Here, we're basically saying, you know, within 30 feet of the affected area, that's the only area you have to survey. And if there's no trees there, then when they sign a seal of the survey, there's no trees and we're good. There's no, no additional cost to the owner. I mean, if there's so one 30 tree, feet, they show the one tree. 
I, I look in in purpose uh, or intent. I'm with you. Yeah. And I think that it's better to have it on the survey. And I think adding it to a survey. I don't know that 30 feet's the right number. I mean, I don't know what's the right number, yeah. but I can tell you, 30 feet in the South Miami property, if it's in the right spot, you're mm -hmm. going to all of a sudden have them surveying two thirds of the property, which is a lot. I just, again, right. I just threw that out there as yeah. a, as so a, I'm just saying we just need to think as a conversation. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm just saying, so this is sort of why I think, I mean, look, if somebody wants to make a motion and we decide whether it's going to pass, it's fine with me. Um, <laughs> I would just say there's no badge of honor to approving this tonight. I think it lacks yeah. specificity. Yeah. And I would go back and, <laughs> and take all this feedback, yeah. give us some thought to, is it 15 feet? Is it 10? Is it 30? Is it you know, whatever you guys might think, but something that we can say, this is our new rule and you need to do it. It's not the end of the world. You say to the surveyor, I need you to make sure that you hit everything within 10 feet of the border of the pool that you're yeah, putting in. Or the, whatever or the it new is. construction. Yeah, yeah. Right. whatever it is. So what do you guys think? I, I think, like you said, I think we should table it, let them rewrite it and revisit it next yeah. time. Do I need a motion to have the table? Yeah. I need a motion to have it tabled. I motion to table it. And do you want it back at your next meeting? Would love to. Yeah. Yes. I really, I, I'm not trying. I'm really not trying to delay. So I just wanted to make it right. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And we've well, kind of gone through this it, so many it, times. And, and, I, and from from my perspective, I don't want this to be a burden on staff on interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It should totally be agree. a very black and white right. issue forward. Yeah. Whatever the definition is, it's very simple to follow. Yep. And we do it and we implement it. And including Christine's comments about, you know, not having it be knowing what the intent is, right? Yeah. So that for any override, that it's not like you're going to say, well, I'm just not into trees anymore. So, yeah, go ahead. Um, so we need a second for the motion. I'll second it. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any Aye. opposed? And for the, for the record, to be clear, the motion is take all of your points. <laughs> Rewrite it, bring it back to the next meeting. Correct. Correct. You got it. Correct. Okay. Happy to do it. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Next item, Marcus. Next item is PB-24-003, the applicant is the City of South Miami. The ordinance of the City Commission of the City of South Miami, Florida, amending Article 5, Procedures and Applications, Section 20-5.15, Certificate of Use of the Land Development Code, to provide additional regulations for certificates of use providing for correction, severability, conflicts, implementation, and effective date. Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. So Tony. this is something of um, Use your example you use for me. This is sort of housekeeping. You've got uh, generally a very detailed provision in our code for business tax receipts, but there's a companion document that usually rides with a business tax receipt, which is a certificate of use. Business tax receipt, shows that you're authorized for one year to operate your business. Certificate of use says that your structure and your property are permitted to have the use that's, a, that's been approved. So for, you know, grocery store, restaurant, whatever that use may be. Um, currently, the way the code reads, it doesn't have very much detail on the certificate of use structure. And so we're proposing to have it very much mirror, not to the letter, but largely mirror what your BTR provisions are so that these two documents that run together are both treated in a similar fashion. Now, a key difference between a BTR and a certificate of use is that a certificate of use isn't renewed every single year. BTR is renewed every single year. It also travels with individuals. Um, 
So now with a certificate of use, when you have bad actors um, who are violating the code, who are breaking laws, who are, and by laws, this could be very broad, there will be a mechanism for revoking that certificate of use. It, just as the same way that we sometimes revoke business tax receipts. Now, the revocation process is a whole process. Uh, property owners are entitled to due process under you know, our laws, under state laws, federal laws. And so that process exists and we've detailed it and really effectively mirrored what we already do for business tax receipts. There, it's, there are appeals, there are, when you file an appeal, for example, because your business has been threatened to shut down for violating the code, then uh, typically the, what we provide is that appeal, just the action of saying, I, wanna, I, want, I want this reviewed by an administrative body, will stay <coughs> further enforcement action until the next step. There's one exception. The one exception is where the city manager determines that what you're doing, the way that you're violating the code, presents a, um, I want to get the exact wording, uh, will cause imminent peril to life or property. If you're doing something very dangerous, um, we're not going to stay enforcement action. We're going to keep the, stay, the enforcement action going even while your appeal happens. Um, I could go line by line if, if that's the will, but that's the general idea for this uh, requirement. We're going to have the certificate of use treated just like a BTR. Um, it has to be displayed, you have to comply with all laws, and it can be revoked. Okay, a question for you. So the yeah. certificate of use is now going to be reviewable annually? It will not be reviewable annually, but... The revocation process will exist. The revocation process will exist. So to give you an example, if someone, let's say a, a bar, is serving underage minors, that's a violation of state law, it's a violation of our codes, um, we would like to have some sort of enforcement mechanism against that actor to directly to their operations because they're serving underage minors, serving alcohol underage minors. This gives us this additional tool. Okay. But aren't you already able, I'm sorry, Mr. Chair, aren't you already able to take off, take away their business license? We are, and now we also have this opportunity for a certificate of use. So what will Um the other thing to keep in mind is that this is also relate to structures, right? So if there's an issue with the structure, uh, and BTRs are specific to an entity or a person, right. Right. right? This could go to the structure, to the property as well. So if this, this also creates an opportunity with non-conforming uses, okay? If you have a non-conforming use that is a repeat offender and is presenting a problem to their neighborhood, to, their, to the city in general, um, this is an enforcement tool that would allow enforcement to be taken and address the fact that this non-conforming use has been a constant uh, issue. Okay. Okay. Other <clears throat> questions, Christine? Christina? Yeah, I guess my only <clears throat> my only question is is sort of if we're already able to. I guess, you know, enforce certain things with the BTR, why is this necessary? Why is this other avenue necessary? If we had issues with the business tax receipt avenue mm -hmm. <laughs> or other avenues of, I guess, dealing with businesses that are doing things they're not supposed to? 
So if a business is doing something they're not supposed to and uh, there's a change in the certificate in the BTR, so the entity, it goes from, uh, from Edward Corporation to Martos Corporation, right? Okay. Uh, now that's a new BTR, that's a separate entity and that use can continue in that same location. Certificate of use is specific to the structure, to the lot, and not solely to the entity. I don't know if that makes sense. It, yeah. it does, it does but my question yeah. triggers another question too, which is sort of, if you have a bad actor as a tenant and we, the BTR, we go that route to put them out of that business there. Uh, but now we go to the property with the certificate of use. Mm -hmm. Are we potentially punishing a landlord for their tenant's behavior in an exceptional way? I'm just asking. Well, Potentially, uh, but that's currently the law under the BTR system, under the CU system in most cities. That's also mm -hmm. the law. Whenever you have a, as a landlord, you have an obligation <coughs> to make sure to have right. your tenants are in line. Yeah, and so it gives you some leverage. What you've described is potentially the case, but that's always the case, yeah. and that's okay. what a landlord, you know. Well, I mean, a landlord, if it's like triple net, they're not going to be in the day to day. They don't know what that business yeah. is doing that's on a day to day. So. That's one. Two, uh, when, so one, landlords or, or developers sometimes do um, certain locations in their building for specific uses, like restaurants and stuff like that. So a restaurant would go in, lease a space, obviously have a, a building permit to build out the space. Mm -hmm. Let's say, for example, a restaurant that, and then after he passes all his inspections and it, he gets a CU for a certificate of use as a restaurant, which that landlord may or may not have specified for that specific purpose because that's what he wants, and that's what the city maybe wanted when they were building the place. For example, if Sunset Place, they, they're doing it, and we know we want them to do restaurants and stuff like that for people to go. Some of those spaces are already going to have the underground and everything ready for that use. So if we use to take away the use out of that space, then we're not uh, we're affecting not just the tenant, we're affecting the landlord, we're affecting but everything. So I, I don't be, I don't see how Yeah, let me be clear though. This this is not like a permanent bar. It's not like saying you may never have a restaurant there again. What it is saying is what it is saying is you have to reapply and show compliance and prove to us that you're not going to have these reoccurring issues that now you're in compliance. So let's talk about the ordinance. Well, typically, and sorry to interrupt, but typically if someone's doing something wrong somewhere, I guess that's a breach of their contract where the landlord can get rid of the place. I'm sure the city has some sort of way to stop them from doing business. And then if a new business comes in, uh, and Sarnino can just, uh, uh, you know, also... Well, they would have to pull a new building permit because no one's just going to take over a space. Not necessarily a new building permit, not necessarily. They, well, you know, you, but you, yes, an application. Typically, it would be, a, happens, yeah. it would be a new building permit, which happens. needs a certificate of use at the end of right, it. Right, because, because McDonald's has a different design than Burger King, and so there's... And every restaurant has, course, yeah. Granted, in theory, it doesn't have to get a building permit, but very likely they're going to get a building permit. But, uh, but I want to direct your attention to uh, page 3 of 7, which is uh, subparagraph E at the bottom half of that, it mm -hmm. specifies the grounds for denying or revoking a certificate of use. And they're limited grounds. It's not, you know, willy-nilly. Uh, and so uh, let me just run through them very quickly. 
you're not vi you're violating the zoning code or the laws of the city. That's the one that I highlighted, right? Uh, you fail to obtain a certificate of occupancy as required by the Florida Building Code. And you can't open. I know, <laughs> but if we find out that somehow you got one, uh, you didn't get the, the the right certificate of occupancy, and you're running under a CU because I don't know so, somebody wasn't paying attention, some clerk wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Now we know. You're in violation of the Florida Building Code. You should not be operating this use. I mean, typically, code enforcement would Agreed. shut that place down. Agreed. <laughs> so Agreed. Agreed. Getting rid of the CU. I, I just don't, I'm, I'm like Christina, I just don't see how this removing the CU is, there's so many other avenues to, to stop this business from operating. This is one more avenue for that. Who's the, who's the certificate holder? Is it the, the landlord or the tenant? It's, it's typically whoever pulled the building permit, so the, it would be the tenant. So a certificate of use typically runs with the land under Florida law. So once you've established a certificate of use, it's possible a certificate of use will expire. Some codes, I got to check ours, uh, some codes will say, for example, after six months, we deem it abandoned, and so that certificate of use is done. It's gone, right? You can't say... I have a grandfathered use at this point because I never abandoned it, okay? But it, that same use authorization will typically run with the land. So even if somebody swaps out, if you have a brand new owner, th the city would be hard pressed to say, we're not going to allow this use. One reason why you could say we're not gonna allow this use is because there's a new version of the Florida Building Code and you didn't get your whatever, your, your, your new improvement in that structure. In that case, you're not complying with the Florida Building Code. You need a brand new certificate of occupancy or some sort of modification to your structure. But the Florida Building Code changes all the time, and it people does. aren't supposed you. All those changes come about when the use or the tenant or owner changes, change and a new use. permit. Not the owner necessarily. The change of use or change mm. of occupancy. May I? So the process is: I build a space, yes, an office space, right? I I get built. I get my certificate of occupancy for an office. Then now zoning comes because I'm gonna use it as an office. But when they get there, they see that I have it laid out as classrooms. I'm not gonna get a certificate of use for classrooms because the zoning for that area is only for offices. Right. So the certificate of occupancy is that it was built in accordance with the plans. Certificate of use is a permitted use for that particular space. Correct. in a building, whether it be a restaurant or whether it be an office. Mm -hmm. So the use is specific to the use allowed by zoning. It has nothing to do with the building department. Correct. It's a zoning code. But zoning typically has to sign off and give you a final before you even get, before you can final the permit what and they're trying even to avoid use the is, space. What they're trying to avoid is, again, you built a space out as an office, they show up and it's a massage parlor, right? Which then they won't give you a certificate of use and you can't use the space. Which addresses an E. It's the enforcement to make sure that you're complying. But with I, I and, and I understand what you're saying, and I think we're saying the same thing. But they're not going to switch it to the massage parlor until after they get all their uses and all their licenses. But right. th and that's fine. So they can do it after the fact. Whenever they do no, it, they, they they will. But, they, that's but when they get issued their certificate of use, it's what it was intended to use. So now you have a certificate of use that says you're supposed to be an office, and if you convert it to a spa or whatever it is you want to. Now you're in violation of that certificate of use. A hundred percent. Oh, a hundred percent. And remember, all these spaces get the fire marshal. Any commercial space has a fire marshal that does its annual 
inspections anyways, they'll right. come across this of course. instantly. So again, another avenue where if someone's doing something wrong, they're going to get shut down by the fire department or by, you know, so I, again, I'm just saying, I'm still trying to understand how the taking away the certificate of use is, I guess it's just another. It's just one more tool. It, uh, sincerely, you're absolutely right. Nothing you said is wrong about having other avenues. There's multiple avenues. This adds one more avenue, and it's specific to the use violation. It's not a matter of your BTR or your code, but rather the CU. Um, many cities take the same approach. We're not doing anything much different. They treat the BTR and the CU. Most places treat the CU and the BTR interchangeably, even though they're different documents and they're different concepts. Um, but yeah. Recording stopped. Nobody say anything. <laughs> Can we resume? Who controls that? The clerk? I'm here. I'm trying to fix the issue. <laughs> oh, perfect. Thank you. Jesse. <laughs> Maybe that's a hint. Strictly speaking, no, but this is our version of minutes. So <clears throat> we'll have to start furiously writing minutes. <laughs> okay, you write them down. Good. Recording in progress. Okay. Welcome back. <laughs> All right. So we had a lot of discussion. Any other questions or comments? And uh, once again, I, I failed to ask if anybody from the public wants to speak about this, but I don't see anybody from the public here or on Zoom. Can I ask the, um, the certificate of use once a person receives that? Is there any indication once they receive it of what they can and what they cannot do at that particular time? Do they have anything that tells them if you do this, like what they're trying to do? Are they given some rules or regulations at the time that they apply for it or no? Um, that I don't think so. No, there's not like a laundry list of rules uh, because you know it's essentially the entirety of the code, right? You have to run your business according to the laws. What the certificate of use does specify is uh, the use that you are authorized uh, to, to operate. And the BTR also will identify that. And in certain instances, I, I'm not too familiar with our system, Marcus, maybe you can help here, but in certain instances it'll specify not just restaurant, for example, but restaurant with so many seats, or I might say restaurant with alcohol service, uh, and give you a little bit of detail, but that's mm -hmm. usually, that's all the detail you'll get. That's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and this allows them to to cure the violation within like 15 days, and there's no actual penalty to like the landlord. I don't see anything that says, you know, you're going to go to jail, you're going to get penalized. It's just revo re revoking the certificate of use, correct? Correct. And, and you know, the goal which here... Which you can reapply for. Which you can reapply yeah, can for. Yeah, that was my next question. Can you reapply? Is there a time frame to like, you know, you must reapply only once a year or some kind of limitation or no? I'm not aware of any in the rest of the code, and I'm I'm not aware of one in okay. this proposal. Okay. Typically, with the city, the CU is 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 a one-time fee, one-time application. The only thing that gets renewed annually, that is, as far as I'm aware of, is the BTR, Correct. which is renewed a a annually. Correct. And your fire inspections happen in connection with the BTR renewal. Correct. Right, okay. not with the CU. Okay, any other questions or comments? If not, do I have a motion? I move we approve. Do we have a second? Chair. Second. Chair, one minor housekeeping yeah. item on page one. Yes. Uh, there's a typo. Just for the record, we'll be changing 2023 to 2024. Got it. Okay. Okay. You have a second by Subrata. Other questions or comments? I, I, I actually have a quick comment I just thought about. Um, so for example, and I guess to the city attorney, and you, they can, so the city would now have the ability, if, obviously if we approve it and the commission approves this, to go in and, and revoke someone's CU if, you know, whatever, whatever the reason, if they're not doing what they're supposed to. So in the previous administration um, and the previous city attorney mm -hmm. had an issue with, for example, Stunner Fit that was on 62nd Avenue. The city had a huge issue with him uh, applying penalties and all that. What the, under this code, they can now go in there, which he had every right to have his gym there and all that. But he had certain officials and people that were higher up that were in a fight with him or in an argument with him. What gives them or stops them from using a, a rule like this to taking away his CU and not allowing him to run his business right. when it he could be right, they could be right, but the point is is that now he can't run his business and he's stopped and he can earn. Right. So when he applied for the CU, it was given to him and nothing's changed, but then issues happened again with, you know. So what's protecting a business is paragraph, subparagraph E, it specifies the limited grounds on which you can deny an application. Or revoke an application or a CU that or revoke an existing CU. Right, revoke like existing or denied. Right here on page three. Okay. Oh, here. Yeah. And so, Sorry. you know, you have I to be. We were, yeah, yeah. I got it. If you're violating the zoning code, if you're violating yeah. the laws of the city, if you're violating the Florida Building Code, if you're, um, if you've, if you've lost your certificate of occupancy, right, because your building's in disrepair, for example, if you've lost your BTR for some other reason. If you're engaging in a business that um, that isn't what you were originally approved for, right, and you didn't apply for a, for a change, um, if you are soliciting, if your property is being used to solicit prostitution, pandering, lewd, lascivious behavior, sale, distribution, or display of obscene materials or conduct, sale or possession of controlled substances or narcotics, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, crimes. yeah. Each, the, each a crime in itself. And those are those are obvious again. But you know, I'm I'm just trying to see. So, 
again, people like that, I, I, I have no issue with. I'm, I'm speaking more of trying to, I guess, somewhat protect someone who's right. has their business and right. there's uh, a loophole where someone can come in and take away their CU for whatever hissy fader fight that they're having with the city. Um, because if you, if you see there where it says does not comply with city zoning ordinances, for example, I use that same example, they were having, they were running up and down the sidewalk and then they had a neighbor complain and then, then the city attorney then took the side of his friend and started fighting them and they have now 100,000 in fees and the city can literally go in there and take away his use, uh, you know. So I'm just saying, uh, uh, again, I'm just, uh, uh, what we want is we want people to, and I'm, I don't want the bad people obviously doing, uh, you know, those things that they're not supposed to be doing, but in, initially our, we want to bring in businesses to South Miami and have some sort of protections for them if, you know, right. they're doing the right thing, obviously, and not just, the, you know, right. to answer have somebody question, have a vendetta and, and be able to just I stop their business. I hear you. To answer your question, the, the, the things that are protecting a business from that sort of abuse of power are these criteria plus the process. Right, you have a right to appeal. You have, and the enforcement action has to stop while you have the appeal, unless, like I said, that one instance where the manager finds that there's imminent peril to life or property. Yeah, yeah, of course. Obviously, of course. Um, so the enforcement stops. It gets appealed. It goes to the city commission. Okay. Um, in addition, after city commission, it, it allows for appeal further to courts. All of this, by the way in the middle of page five of seven on, on subparagraph, uh, what is this, subparagraph J, it says all of these enforcement proceedings have to be in accordance with chapter 162 of the Florida statute. That's the Florida statute that governs all code enforcement. Okay. So you have all the state protections in code enforcement. Um, you know, okay. there's, there's laws. Okay. You know, if, if there's an uh, alleged abuse of power, that could always happen, and you, you're unfortunately in America. Your recourse is to go to court. Yeah, you know? we're getting kind of far. I mean, yeah. we're getting sort of far afield <coughs> on one. I don't think this changes anything relative to no. that. This doesn't make it easier or more difficult for someone to pursue uh, a okay. place that property is not being used legally. It it my understanding. Yeah. Of the yeah. Well, I was just gonna say I don't have an issue necessarily with A through. Um, K, I don't think there's anything in there that's too broadly written. I understand Danny and the the wording of the zoning ordinance, but I mean, technically, you have to comply with the zoning ordinance and the laws of the city and whether those laws are passed in a discriminatory, you know, like they're discriminatory. That's a whole other issue. So I don't necessarily have an issue. There's nothing in here. Like, I don't like wording where it says and as deemed, you know, necessary like things that are very broad because that that gives too much discretion but i think the way it's written it's you know these letterings are fine <clears throat> all right so we have a motion and we have a second unless gus or or sobrato want to rescind either of those if not let's go ahead and go to a vote i'll start with danny aye gus yes sobrato yes Michelle? Yes. Christina? Yeah. And yes for me. Okay. 
before before we go to the next one, the last uh, last item, did we uh, open up for public hearing? I know that we yeah, deferred I, it. Yeah, I talked through it. I mean, there's nobody here. But yeah, I did. Thanks, Arata. I didn't on the one before, though. So if anybody wants to file lately for comment, feel free. Okay, last item. Marcus? Item number PB, dash, this is item number four, PB-24-004. The applicant is the City of South Miami. The ordinance of the mayor and the city commission of the city of South Miami, Florida, amending article, article four of the regulations, section 20-4.2 Diaz and David of the Land Development Code to allow the issuance of a building permit prior to final plat in certain circumstances, providing for corrections, severability, conflicts, implementation, and an effective date. Thank you. Okay, board members, this is a very straightforward change, which matches what many other cities allow. Um, when you're subdividing a piece of property, as a general rule, when you're subdividing a piece of property, um, you can, in most municipalities and in Miami-Dade County, you can obtain a building permit after you've obtained what's called a tentative plat. The tentative plat identifies how you're going to subdivide your lot. It identifies what right-of-way improvements might be necessary for the proposed use and development of your lot. And in our code, the way it's currently written, it doesn't specify that you can obtain a building permit after tentative plat. It requires you to go all the way to final plat before you can mm -hmm. obtain your building permit. Most cities don't do that. They give you some flexibility with conditions, right? If they're going to give you that flexibility, they make you, uh, for example, um, bond the improvements that you're obligated to, to provide. You know, if you have to construct a new sidewalk, for example, um, you have to bond for those improvements. And that's the city's way of knowing that right. if we give you this building permit, you are in fact going to see through all the commitments you're making as part of a plat. You also have to provide certain assurances to the city, opinions of title, for example. Uh, you have to provide a hold harmless agreement. All of that is listed in the proposed ordinance under subparagraph two, um, it's actually 2A through it's the majority of the document. It's, it's two, pages 2 and 3. All the various things that you need to provide. These, I can walk through each one of them if you'd like. This is consistent with <coughs> what most municipalities do. Okay, um, And the goal here is just to allow the building permitting process to be a little smoother, a lot faster, Planning process can take a year at times because there's interaction both with the city and also with Miami-Dade County. And so it, dealing with both governments compounds the amount of time it can take. And so we don't want to hold up building permits throughout that process. We want the construction to continue, uh, to, to be able to proceed while the planning process is in process. So my, my question to him, yeah. to Tony earlier, was, you know, so why would somebody want to take on that risk if their plat doesn't get approved? And yep. they're already, they got building permits and they're, you know, working away. But I guess, you know, the reality is the plat at that point, it's not a subjective call. They've hit Correct. objective measures. We're just Correct. a speedier approval group with our building permit for the planning process in the county. And Does yeah. that make sense? You guys, construction guys know better. Yeah, so, uh, so basically, while, so for example, there's, there's um, a lot being, split into two. Um, what this ordinance is saying is that the owner is allowed to submit for a building permit prior to the plat being 
That way, when once it's platted, he can start construction. And obtain the uh, building permit and yeah, and start work and actually start working. Actually start work. Oh wow! That's All what right. I was asking so about the risk. That seems to me to be big. I mean, yeah, the risk or the construction. I mean, getting the building permit to me sounds. I mean, so this is I'm after, good with that. Keep in mind, this is after tentative plat. So what happens normally is you get a tentative plat, and it says, "This is what your lot's going to look like, and you're going to have an easement here, and you're going to build a sidewalk there, and this is what you're going to do." And it basically creates what the county calls a punch list, right? You have to do all these 20 things. The way Florida law works is if you've done all 20 things at that point, you're going to get your plat, right? And that's why a developer would say, I'll take that risk any day because I know I can do these 20 things. Yeah. Please give me my building permit, right? If they think for some reason those 20 things are unacceptable, they better not pull a building permit and start construction or you know do CD right. drawings. You know, for the permit, because that's a huge risk. They know they can't accomplish the 20 items. You know? Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. Yeah, actually. Dicey, but. The, where I was prior, you could pull a building permit once you had a tentative plat. It's just a final plat. <coughs> it's almost a formality or. Right. It, it's, yeah. It's not uncommon to see that once you have a tentative plat, you could get your building permit. And the builder bears the entire risk. I mean, the fact that we issued a building permit doesn't make us. So, right, uh, and a building permit just allows you to start construction. But if you don't, uh, you know, I don't have to issue a certificate of occupancy if you haven't done everything you said you were going to do sure. anyway. Yeah, of so course. So there's there are measures. Um, I guess my question uh, is, how do you how do you? How, okay, so the, the the let's say the lot was just split into two. So one holds the current address. If you, how do you proceed if you don't have a folio and an address on the second one? That's just, uh, and again, I'm just asking these it, questions it, to be knowledgeable. Yeah. And it's always a mess with the building department. But the building department is involved in issuing the new um, address. The building official typically is the one that issues the, the new address. So it's just a matter of how you track it in your system. But at the end of the day, a new address will be issued and the permits will be moved to that address. So it's not. And the folio is given by the county. The folio is given by the county. Yeah. So if you don't have a folio, I guess you just have to wait till you have one and then you plug it into the system. Yeah, or the, we could use the other folio, the folio that's associated oh, okay. with that property and then later move it. I mean, there's things, it's a pain for the building department, but it is done. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the county does it with the tentative plant, they'll allow you, they'll allow you to pull a permit. Yeah. So. so before we have any more comments, so just, I'm sorry I keep doing this to you, but you're the also the one that keeps me honest. Uh, anybody who's on Zoom who would like to comment, please raise your virtual hand. Okay, Sabrata, sorry. You're up. Uh, my, my question was, I'm pulling the building permit is, is okay, but it's starting construction, that is that uh, that might be a little too too drastic. Is that an, this is a necessary? The building permit might take, that takes months and sometimes years. Well, you could apply for a permit now without having a tentative plat. I mean, nothing, you just won't get the permit. It'll be rejected, right? Because the comment number one will be, you know, you don't have, you don't meet the zoning. So, but we ha do issue, issue building permits, which allows you to start construction with a tentative plat, plat approval. Well, rather the other, in, in places, other cities, in I'm other sorry, because I've been the building official in other cities, yeah, yeah, so I apologize. Yeah, but yeah. yes, it's not uncommon to yes. see that. And the builder takes, I mean, so about it, that's sort of where I was coming from too, which is the builder takes the risk that they somehow get outside of the tentative plats rules 
and you know get themselves in a in a right. dam. On the other hand, as you guys have pointed out, as long as they don't do that, the follow up of the issuance of the final plat is standard operating procedure. Right, and I, I wish there was somebody here from Public Works because like the platting is more like a, a Public Works thing, but. I think there's cases where if you're abandoning an alley, for example, you can't get a final plat until the work is not done, right? right. So if the if the sequence of construction requires it, like it's almost, you know. Right. And and I, I wish I could speak <coughs> to that with more authority, but it that's my understanding from uh, yes. public works conversations with uh, when in you know other cities that I've worked in. Yes. So I mean that's I don't know how they handled it here. What are the municipalities in Dade County allows construction to start before final plan? Coral Gables does. Dade County does. City um, of Miami. Yeah, I mean this is not uncommon. Yes. So if you if you have a time, actually what we have, have now is what's not common. I was surprised when I read this that we don't issue permits until final plat because there are conditions where I believe it's almost impossible to do depending on if you're vacating alleys and doing things of that nature that you, you can't do that land replatting until it's vacated or things, you know, it just can't do it. We don't have a lot of construct. We haven't had a lot of major construction here, so I don't think it's ever been an issue, but I think eventually this would have been an issue. Yeah. Okay. Once you, once you have a tentative plat, that, mean, that means you've met all the criteria to get the plat. Now it just has to go through the lengthy process and the bureaucracy of the county government to get your final plan. Yeah. And, and, so and, and more of a speed of activity. Yeah. And I mean, it, it takes a county yeah. too long to do anything. <laughs> okay. Two, two, so. Any other questions or comments? I'm good. If not, uh, we've already had the public comment. Do we have a motion? Motion to approve. I'll a second. second. I'll second it. All those in favor? Yes. Aye. Aye. Michelle? Aye. Aye. Christina? And I as well? Unanimous? Okay. So, uh, any public comments or new business? Uh, the minutes we have not attached, uh, we'll have those for the next meeting. So, we'll go through those then. And our next meeting is scheduled for Tuesday, February 13th. Anybody else have any questions or comments for the good of the cause? <coughs> if not, thank you very much. The meeting is adjourned. Good night.